Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Stu Baca, and I'm a Gen X grown-up, and I support Gen X grown-up on Patreon, and you should too at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And you know that George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know, whether they fly, dive, race, or drive, the media of our youth spawned some of the most iconic cars ever to hit the screen. In this backtrack, we're running down some of the most memorable cars from Gen X era movies and television series. Before we hop into our, uh, could be Ecto-1 or DeLorean or whatever it is we have some fourth listener email one of my favorite parts of the show and this time around the fourth listener is i think george maybe one of your favorite patrons marcus is here on the show it completely depends upon the week and the hour of the day Oh. Yep. And now it might depend <laughs> upon what the email is from Marcus. So we're going to find it. It definitely is going to depend upon what the email is. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is part of it, too. Yeah. So Marcus wrote in, subject line of the email is, damn it, George. Yep. Not my favorite anymore. <laughs> uh, not off to a good start, is he? <laughs> he says, before I get to George, oh Lord, <laughs> I wanted to say that you guys are a great set of friends to have playing in the background while I'm trying to work, and I appreciate it. <laughs> if it isn't Casey Kasem doing old top 40s, it's you three, and you continue to knock this whole podcast thing out of the park. John, that's a baseball ball reference. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> thanks. A baseball ball? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, at one point I said, are you, play, you guys playing football ball or baseball ball? And so, yeah, so I'm faking total ignorance of sports. I only have mostly ignorance of sports, not total. Uh, anyway, so here we go. Next, the very special episode about the guys in tights throwing each other around was fun to listen to. <laughs> okay. And very thorough. Okay. And I enjoyed listening to someone tell about that time period in wrestling and how they broke down what was important to tell. But, damn it, George. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buckle up here, guys. How did you not make an intro like the game segment? And how did you not hand out entrance themes for Jabroni number two and number three? What? So, okay. Um, He's upset we didn't get entrance themes. So I was supposed to do an intro for both podcasts and do entrance themes for you. I, I'm not a musician. I don't know. 
why this was my job. I don't know. Well, you are the wrestling guy. Like, I wouldn't even know yeah. to even think yeah. about doing it. So I'm personally. a wrestling yeah. guy, but I don't wrestle and I don't write music. <laughs> what? I thought those went together. Let's see. So if if uh, we all three needed entrance themes, what would our entrance themes be? Hmm. Hmm. I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I think I would take Weird Al's White and Nerdy. That could be my entrance theme. That'd be okay. 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 Yeah. I'd probably take... Uh, Steve Miller, the Joker, because my name is actually mentioned in the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maurice. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Steve Miller. George, what do you think? Entrance theme? We're trying, <laughs> for we're trying to retcon the whole thing. Yeah. What are you going to do as you enter Jesus. the ring? Karma Chameleon I, by Boy George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? XLF by Crazy Frog. <laughs> I have no idea. There's some entrance themes for you. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> Damn it, George. You were our hope. John trying to talk over Kurt Angle, you suck chant would have been worth double on Patreon this month. <laughs> so he's not asking us to make our own themes up. He's asking us to take themes from the wrestling world and right. apply oh, them. And use yeah. them. And apply to each them other, here. I, uh, I see. Which... The You Suck is not the theme. That is a chant that fans in the arenas developed on their own because uh-huh. they hated the character they had at the time. Oh. Then it just started to stick with the character because his theme has this dun, 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 dun kind of a rhythm to it. And that's okay. the You Suck. You ah, <laughs> it just kind of lends itself to that. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it became this like audience participation thing. They would exactly. all sing along. Oh, I see. It's just like Stone Cold Steve Austin has the what audience participation thing where Every time he mm. comes to a break in a sentence, everybody goes, what? And they just <laughs> got it. Anyway, <laughs> we're going back into another wrestling podcast. It'd be like it. a Rocky horror thing. It's like yeah, just the exactly. audience chiming in wherever yeah. kind of they participate. I can see that being cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so he says, other than your auditory weaknesses, though, you did wow. a great job carrying a big topic. That was a big topic. And as always, I look forward to Thursday to find out what's next. <laughs> Signed. George's real favorite and the fourth listener, Marcus. <laughs> That's a lot of assumptions after that email just bashing me mm. for not doing yeah. theme songs. Yeah, he, it's kind of adorable, all those assumptions he's making about himself. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's cute that you think so. It's, right? Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> Marcus, we do appreciate you writing, and we love it every time the fourth listener takes time out of his day to write into the show. If you'd like your email featured here, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. I read every single one, and most of them, like Marcus's, will make the show. All right. With that good business behind us, it's time to talk about some of our favorite Gen X era TV and movie cars. We'll get into it right Right after this, stick around. Guys, for the last few weeks, we have been checking out Factor's ready-made meals. Now, they tell us that eating better is easy with their delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, ready to go in two minutes. All that is great. It wouldn't matter if it didn't taste good. So mm-hmm. I've, we've, I've had several. I've been eating them every couple of nights. I'll try one of these Factor meals. And then I had this turkey chili, and wow, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my fiancé is vegetarian. Vegan, actually. So I went with the, yes. with the vegetarian option. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And you did for the whole box. Okay. Yep, for the whole box. You know, because they have like over 35 different options you can choose from like every single week. Mm-hmm. So I went with the vegan option or the vegetarian option. And let me tell you, they were pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Matter of okay. fact, she yeah. stole half of them. One to start with. Wow. She, she took so. them from you? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife and I have been trading out saying, oh, you try this and you try this and check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprisingly good. And again, like I didn't realize that even that some of these that were even vegetarian, I didn't even know that. Didn't even know. Wow. Hmm. So what's really cool, though, 
though, is that if you want to add something extra to all these different meal choices that mm-hmm. you're talking about, there's like 60 different add-ons to help you get going <laughs> and feel good basically all day long. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just like like an extra side or something like that. Like there's a whole bunch of breakfast add-on meals that you can add on to your subscription, not add on yeah. to the right, dinner yeah. meal, but like mm-hmm. to add to your meal plan for the day. And mm. I just think it's it's really awesome that they give you all these different choices so that you're not just tied in to just dinner or just lunch. Having breakfast mm-hmm. as part of one of these meal plans is, I think, kind of unique. I haven't seen that before in any of these meal yeah. delivery services. So I don't know what everybody's waiting for. It's time to get started <laughs> and get after your goals right now. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Pancakes and smoothies? Yes, please. Discover a wide <laughs> variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping or cooking or even cleanup required. Just throw it in the trash when you're done. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Let me tell you, if you're looking for something fast with premium options, Factor is the perfect solution for you. You guys know I'm the spreadsheet guy. I have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every single meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Just head over to factormeals.com slash genx50 and use code genx50 to get 50% off. That's code genx50 at factormeals.com slash genx50 to get 50% off. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Michael Knight, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in the world of criminals who operate above the law. Let's get cooking talking about these Gen X era media cars, TV and movies. I say cars. These don't all necessarily have to be cars. Some of them are more trucky or bussy or defy all kinds of definition. <laughs> but we, we kind of got the idea for this one from a fourth listener who wrote in saying that, you know, hey, you should talk about all these cool cars because they often come up. And then not too long ago, we did that backtrack on 66 Batman, right? Which kind of yeah. got the mm. kind of the juices mm-hmm. flowing where we're like, oh, man, that car car was based on that that concept car the old Lincoln Futura yep and it was such a like there's the show there's the actors but sometimes the vehicles take on a life of their own outside of just I was a car in a show you know there's something super memorable about them oh yeah, yeah for sure especially like it boils down to when I would see it on TV or reruns or in a movie or whatever, I, I always started trying to find them in Matchbox or Hot Wheels cars after oh, that. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always yeah. wanted the little... And some of them you could find. Some of them, they oh, did sure. versions of them. And some of them, there were ones that were close enough in the Hot mm-hmm. Wheels car that you could yeah. you know, maybe paint it or cut a wheel off or do something to it that would make it more like the thing you saw in the TV show or movie. But that if I got a vehicle to that level later on in life, that told me that was an important vehicle of that media mm-hmm. thing, whatever it was, TV show, movie, whatever it was. Right. Yeah. One thing I'll say about it, especially we talked about that 1966 Batmobile. You think about it, the fact that it had like that flame exhaust, the back, mm-hmm. yeah, like a jet that engine. carried over to all the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all put that in there because it's such a, only the Batmobile has that. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, well, the, the Batmobile evolved throughout the, the movies and TV oh, and sure, everything. Sure. It was a different vehicle, different make, different model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they they took that inspiration, had the little jet engine on the back yep. and it would thrust. Yeah. The fire had to come out. I mean, if it, yeah. that fire coming out. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> the fact that it evolved, John, you were talking about. That was almost a storyline in and of itself. Every time a new Batman product would come out, TV show, movie, cartoon, whatever, mm-hmm. everybody would wonder, what's the car going to look like yeah. this time? Right, right. Yeah, what's his new bat suit? But what's mm-hmm. the car? We need to yeah, see the car. The car. Yeah. yeah. So we started with Batmobile. So let's start in this segment talking about cars from TV series. We'll get oh, into sure. movies and other stuff in a bit later. Let me go back to, this is not so much Gen X. The series was not, but boy, I, did I watch a lot of the Partridge family. Uh, <laughs> and though they weren't known for driving around, when they did drive around, they had that super colorful bus yeah. that was in the opening credits. Multi-painted squares, all the weird and colors. Triangles mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, all the shapes on it. Looked like somebody who had just dropped acid decided to give that bus a paint job or something. <laughs> yep. But hey, it made an effective tour bus, right? That's all they needed. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and the thing about it is, the reason I brought it up first is because even though it wasn't such a big part of the series, it's one of those things, if you see something that's painted like that, you're like, oh, Partridge Family, you know mm-hmm. immediately. It jumps out at you. You don't have to know any actors. You don't have to know the name of the show. You're like, oh, it's that show with the kids singing. I know what that is. And that's kind of what makes them so memorable and iconic. They jump out at you right away. Absolutely. And another one that really, like you said, like just, it's not really critical to the show, but it definitely, like if you saw it, you know what you're talking about, is the 18 van. Uh, oh, yeah. The red diagonal pinstripe, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That, that stripe down the side. It's just a black econo line or something. It's just a big van, with yeah. the, but it's the paint job is what it is. You know, mm. and wasn't it a little jacked up in the back, had big, bigger tires on the back sometimes. Some, maybe, I, may, maybe. maybe in my memory it did. It was just maybe that rod, was the Hot Wheels car. I'm not sure. It, it might have been. You're right. I definitely had an 18 van Hot Wheels yeah. car. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it did have like that big grill bumper thing on the front. Right. It was a pretty menacing looking van if you're as well, as menacing as those vans can look, I guess. <laughs> you want to talk about crazy paint job pinstripes on a vehicle. What about the Starsky and Hutch car? Oh. That 74 oh, yeah. Ford Grand Torino, the red car with the white stripe going down. Right. I so wanted to slide across that damn hood every time <laughs> I saw that That thing vehicle. must have had a 10-foot hood. They would slide across <laughs> that thing every time. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's nothing that special about the car. Take the paint job off, and you're right. like, oh, it's just a, it's, some, it's some old Ford. But yeah. you put that stripe down the side, which is actually very similar to the 18 van stripe. That's why I, I was saying it. it. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it was yeah, almost yeah, the same yeah. kind of thing. And it's yeah. funny because that show and that vehicle were so iconic. It was later kind of mimicked in one of my favorite TV series, Castle. There was an episode where they had to make a guy think he was back in the 1970s in order to oh, get really? him to help uh-huh. them solve a crime. And two of the characters that they had to play were the Starsky and Hutch style characters, and they had a car that kind of looked like the oh, Starsky nice. and Hutch car. Nice. It was very oh, funny. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. I still remember, I remember the uh, the movie, which was not awesome, but right at the end, though, they, the guy's like, oh, because this car blows up, and they had their Starsky and Hutch original guys come back and give him their car. You know? I was like, that's kind of cool. You know? <laughs> well, George, you talk about sliding across the roof in that old uh, Grand Torino. Well, the hood. The hood. The roof would have oh, been sorry. hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can slide across the roof, man. That's impressive, especially in the van. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, you mentioned sliding across the hood. You want to talk about a series with an iconic car that had a lot of hood sliding. How about the General Lee from the oh. Dukes of Hazard? Oh, oh there's yeah. a car. 
today, its paint job would not be a good thing in a TV series. Oh, no. Yes. Right. Yeah. But when I was growing up and not understanding everything behind <laughs> that, That's right. that right. paint job. Southern iconography notwithstanding, right. generally as a fun stunt car that was a huge part, unlike the Partridge family van, this was a character in the show. This General Lee was absolutely part of the show. Yeah. I mean, orange, bright orange paint job with the big zero one rebel flag on the roof. Not, you know, obviously not good for Mm -hmm. times today, but (laughs) it was just, you would see that in the intro. Every time the car was the main part of the intro, like, yeah, they would show Bo and Luke and Daisy and the sheriff and boss. But it was the car driving all around the back roads and doing the jumps and everything. Mm-hmm. And there have been stats for years on how many cars they went through on that show and everything. <laughs> I'm sure. And this was a TV show, not a movie. It yeah. didn't have the budget mm-hmm. of like a big thing where they have 40 cars, but they did have 40 cars or something like that. Yeah. They did. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, I watched that show for really two things. You know, Catherine Bach. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. <that's one. laughs> and watching generally like do all the stunts because mm-hmm. it was always jumping something or I mean, it was always doing something that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. You know? Well, that's why they had to have so many of those 69 chargers that they would paint orange. And there was even cars that looked similar they would use for some of the stunts. But in so many of those shows, especially the Dukes of Hazard, you'd have the shot with the General Lee jumps the ramp and it comes down. They have the slow motion and you can see the frame bend like you could see it just busting <laughs> its nose and the wheels are coming off and they cut to the next shot and it's in gorgeous shape and it pulls up in front of the downtown. It's like, oh, yeah, they didn't just demolish that car. Well, they did. They demolished yeah. the one they were jumping and they switched back to the beauty car. Now, John, you called it a Dodge Charger, but I thought it was a Challenger. No, it's a uh, it is a Charger. It's a Charger. Charger, huh? Yeah. Because the grill, yep. the front grill with the headlights, I I don't know 69 vehicles, but the grill reminds me of today's more modern Challenger. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The modern Challenger looks a lot more like the General Lee than the modern Chargers do. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But it was an old 69 Charger. And it was, uh, the, the Charger went through a lot of muscle car phases and more modernizations. And then that's where it washed out. The Challenger got a lot of those body lines. But that's one that people still replicate today in, in, in some form or fashion. I saw a uh, Chevy volts the all electric cars and they had it painted with 01 and it was all orange and everything and they said well, yeah the general lee this is the general electric oh jeez, <laughs> oh, terrible <laughs> yeah it, it's an awful pun but it was a great dad joke <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a couple of really interesting you talk about muscle cars versus sports cars or something like that there's a couple of really interesting shows and vehicles that i want to bring up the first one is miami vice oh. 1980s miami vice is an iconic Oh. TV show of that era. I'm not saying it's the greatest show of the era by any stretch of the imagination. It was, it was basically yeah. the same script, just rewritten about a hundred times. You know, sure. we're going to go after drug lords this week, or we're going to go after <laughs> prostitutes next week, whatever. It was the same thing, but they had some really cool cars. My favorite from the series and one of the more iconic ones, they had a Ferrari Daytona spider in that one. It was in the very early seasons Yeah, mm-hmm. and seeing mm-hmm. Crockett and Tubbs driving around <laughs> Miami yeah. in that vehicle was it was awesome right with the sports jacket and the sleeves rolled up, up and they got mm-hmm. the pastel shirt under it right that show is such a slice of gen x like mid 80s like right you watch that show and you're like yep that's what it was like yeah. pretty much but in miami with palm trees yeah you cannot mistake that for any other decade 
ever. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I think that's why I like the game uh, GTA Vice City so much because it's essentially yes. modeled after a Miami Vice. It is. Drive. It yeah. is Miami You're Vice. Right. It absolutely is. Uh, you mentioned the Daytona Spider Ferrari. Another one that jumps out at me was Magnum PI. Do you remember mm. he had that seventy-two Ferrari three hundred eight? Do you remember? That's the only car to remember from that. Well, show. That is. <laughs> and people say, "Oh, that's the Magnum PI car," but mm-hmm. I, I like to point out that it was not Magnum's car. It belonged to Robin Masters, and he would borrow it yeah well robin <laughs> masters never drove the damn thing on the show so it was magnum's well, car true. as far as of i'm course. concerned yeah <laughs> but he was like the millionaire that had hired him he was living in his mansion and stuff even higgins had the boxy rolls royce thing he didn't and higgins got in his case all the time you can't take that car out you get you're gonna do that to the car and he's yeah it's it <laughs> i'm driving it me and tc are going downtown and we're jumping in the chopper that's right <laughs> here's one that's kind of it's a little bit of a before our time but do you remember the monkey mobile from the monkeys? Oh, <laughs> God. Hey, hey, with the monkeys. It's going back a bit, I admit. That's when everything was a mobile. Batmobile, yeah. monkey mobile. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? It was, it was like a Jeep or something. They all rode in. It was open-topped, I think, wasn't it? What am I, it what was am I remembering? Old, I think it was like Pontiac GTO or something like that that they modified, okay. but it had like that kind of pointed front. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's not the Jeep thing that you're thinking of. This is the muscle car. There were the, yes. They did have yeah. a Jeep open wheeled kind of a like a model t ford style looking thing that they wrote in in some things but this one's the pontiac gto that's the muscle car the pointed nose it was modified right, right? Yeah. i remember Bright that red, cherry red <laughs> mm-hmm. okay yep that's not the one we were talking about with the monkeys but it didn't remind me of another vehicle that had an open top that you see maybe only rarely in the series but was a huge deal was from the beverly hillbillies oh. they had that <laughs> oh. that jalopy and granny would be in the rocking chair up on the top yeah, and they're all they're right. driving through beverly hills and they're looking and that thing was just a piece of garbage but just like they bought the mansion but they wouldn't spend any other money so they just kept that old rickety ass car <laughs> and drive it around i saw a picture on the internet of when i did a search for that vehicle it looks like somebody bought the actual vehicle and turned it into a rat rod you know like where they just redesigned yes, the yeah. whole car but it still had the four seats on the theater level stadium style seating where there's one row at the bottom and then another row behind it a little elevated yes it was like elevated wasn't yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Stadium cool. seating in a car is the weirdest damn thing. <laughs> you know that would not pass any kind of safety. Thing oh no, they don't have inspections apparently in Beverly Hills, or that would not be up to code. Uh, yeah, you no sticker for then. you. One of the coolest TV cars. Just looking at it, just look cool. Was the Munster Coach from the Munsters? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, like the modified hearse type of thing with the yeah. huge chrome exhausts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exposed engine. I mean, it just looked like a drag racer car. It just looked cool to me. Yeah. I don't know. It might have been a custom. I don't remember. Some of those cars were modified. Some were custom. I don't know what that was, but I remember it was very like hot rodded. Like it was yeah. an old Model T with mm. all the hood part removed. So you said you could see all the motor, but then on the back, it was, it looked just like a hearse. Like you yeah. said, Mo, how appropriate for the Munsters. It's <laughs> always so unaware of themselves that they were spooky, but they thought normal people were, were actually the scary ones. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, he's so weird and normal. Right. <laughs> so of course their car would be the same way. There's one that it's not necessarily a vehicle that people think of as far as being like eccentric, like the Munsters thing or colorful, like the Partridge family bus. But to me, it holds a special place in my heart just because it was one of the few shows that my father and I would watch together. Mm-hmm. And that's the Pontiac Firebird from the Rockford Files, that oh. bronze colored vehicle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Around. yeah. It was, you know, single door on the side. It, it was just an awesome vehicle for that time. And it didn't do anything. It was 
wasn't really a part of the show <laughs> that much, but I just remember wanting one of those. I had a little matchbox that was very mm-hmm. close to that car, and I was a little kid. I would play around with it, and I would pretend my dad and I were solving crimes, you know, from the show. And I think that's what's important <laughs> to some of these vehicles is if you could find some toy or some way to imagine yourself as part of the vehicle, it put you in the show that you were watching. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's funny that you talk about the Rockford Files and that car, there's nothing special about it, but it's connected to the show. And right. if you watched it enough, you see that. Just recently, I picked up a like one of those matchbox cars mm-hmm. of Bill Maxwell's car from The Greatest American Hero. It's like this pale yellow Dodge Diplomat. Right. <laughs> Has nothing amazing to do with the show. It's just the little piece of crap he drove, but they put out like this matchbox car of this just average K car, this four door piece of junk. But I wanted it and I bought it because I'm like, oh, it's a greatest American hero car because (laughs) it's what my superheroes or my TV stars or movie stars drove around in. And so I have a piece of that show almost, even though you kind of don't. It felt like it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, one car that doesn't fall into that realm of it's, oh, it's just kind of nondescript and it wasn't really that important to the show. (laughs) is the next one on our list, and that is the Knight Industries 2000 vehicle kit from Knight Rider. Well, if we're going to talk about this vehicle, we're done talking about any others, because this is the (laughs) Gen X era car of television. I don't care what anybody else says. It's the only car that talks back out of all the ones we've listed. It Mm. had a personality. It gave Mm -hmm. him crap. It could drive itself. Yeah. It had weapons. Oh, yeah. Bulletproof. To me, it was a better part of that whole organization, the Knight organization, than David Hasselhoff was. Like, it was more important to solving all the problems than he was. He was really just the passenger who, if the vehicle couldn't grab something, he was the hands for the vehicle. That was really (laughs) all he was. (laughs) Yeah, basically, he served the car. (laughs) No, I mean, I watched that show also. Yeah, just because the idea of like a super smart car that could do all these amazing things was just, I mean, that's like when you're a kid. 80s and you have a car that's just that cool i mean that's like a home run there's no way you can make a show that's gonna fail <laughs> you know just because no. it's just so damn cool i mean the coolest part for me though is when it used to like drive up into the truck and leave right. the truck while the truck yeah. is moving like spy hunter video game yeah right? yes yeah, yeah that was just awesome i don't know i just love that part and it's this gorgeous gloss black trans am and yeah not for nothing it had freaking cylon light on the front of it just about <laughs> yeah. the Battlestar same. galactica yeah. thing uh-huh. cooking <laughs> Because even from the outside, like some of these cars kind of, oh, low key, low key. No, no, this thing, whoom, 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 whoom. It's got the eye going across. I am a badass car. Get out of my way. It screamed. <laughs> it was awesome. And long before I wanted a flux capacitor in my vehicle, the interior car part that I always wanted was that little red lit up thing that would symbolize his vocalizations oh. as the car would speak. How the oh, little, the little like bouncing. The center like, console yep. thing, right? Mm-hmm. The wavelength thing that would. Yeah. I wanted that in my damn car so bad. I didn't care if it worked or not. I just wanted something pulsating like that in my car. That was so awesome. Right. Yeah. So you're like, your 72 country shit box was like, right. hello, George. I'm sorry, but the thrusters are offline. Like, yeah, we'll start either. Yeah. yeah. And you know, somebody's probably made things that can fit into cars off of it at this point. But yeah. yeah. I, to this day, the, the Cylon lights and that little voice box in the interior of the car, 
those two things were what really gave it personality. It's what brought it to life. I mean, all the cool weapons and the driving up into the truck and that was all neat. But those two were what really helped develop the personality of the car. I can't argue that, although it did have ejector seats, which is damn cool. Yeah, but we've seen <laughs> ejector I mean, seats that, at that point. <laughs> we hadn't seen Cylon headlights and voice boxes in cars. <laughs> I don't know if you've checked out online, but the kit car is one of the cars that collectors and fans love to find and restore. But there are dedicated companies that sell all the parts to modify any old really? 80s era Pontiac into a kit car. Oh, jeez! And if you look at one of these online, it's the most terrible car to drive. It's awful. So there's all this crap on the dash and it's really cramped and it doesn't have a steering wheel. It has the yoke, right? Oh, the little right, like, right. like I'm playing the Star Wars yeah. video game, right? It says the yoke thing and all the equipment in it and the T-tops are known to leak. They're notorious for leaking. It's an awful car to own and manage. It's like owning a boat. Like there's always something wrong with it and it always <laughs> needs money. But people spend thousands to resurrect them or to rebuild from scratch out of kits that people will sell you to modify. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's an iconic piece of our childhood Gen X grown up youth. I mean, it, you, you're not going to get away from stuff that you love. You're just going to try and reacquire it. Unavoidable. Whether it's a Pez dispenser or a video <laughs> game or a kit car, you're going to try and find a way to get it back again. Yep. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curves. Flattening the hills. Someday the mountain might get him, but the law never will. I know that last segment was all about television, but there's a specific subset of television that I think we ought to briefly talk about. And there may not be a, as many vehicles in this subset, but I think it's important because especially as children, this was something that was a huge part of our lives. And that is cars and vehicles from cartoons. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, I, <laughs> there's no way that you're going to start that segment off with anything other than the footmobile from the Flintstones. Is that the name of it? <laughs> <laughs> Was that like the official name? That's as good a name as any. That's what I found it called on a yeah. couple of different websites. So yeah, I went really? with it. I didn't even know. It I just went with Flintstone Car. I didn't know it actually had a name. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know that they had auto manufacturers in the Stone Age. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you just go down to the quarry and find a, a car shaped rock. And that's your <laughs> yeah. car. Is what didn't get a flat once. Well, not flat, but you know, he had to chisel a new wheel or something. Right. Like chisel a new wheel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It was just like the wooden sides, like on, on pegs. 
legs and then the wheels are in the and they had like the just a little like an awning over the front and oh yeah when i talk about the flintstones car what i talk about is how you ride like if, if my wife and i are going out with another couple and it's like you want to ride in the front with me or we go in flintstones and going flintstones means guys <laughs> in the front girls in the back because it was always wilma and betty in the back but fred and barney together in the front we always call that going flintstones <laughs> i always cool. complain about people who are driving too slowly in front of me with that i always say could you just put your feet out and stop please get the hell out of my way <laughs> right they had to have some strong calluses on their heels because they did stop with their feet too <laughs> back from that time though my absolute probably favorite vehicle from cartoons had to be the mach 5 from speed oh. racer oh so, speed racer yeah, yeah you you this one we're gonna have a fight over because i don't know which one of us is the bigger fan I love, I searched for that. I had the uh, little Hot Wheels thing that was similar to it. Love the Mach 5, that Speed Racer cartoon. That was awesome. But that Mach 5, yeah. that was the show. It, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it just looks like, like one of these like supercars, you know, like today, like these new Lamborghini, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they can design this back in the 60s before the cars even look like that. And now you look at yeah, the can't... stretched out hood with Yo, the pointed, yeah. mm-hmm. like, like they could almost pierce something as you were driving down the road. Yeah, just Crazy aerodynamic. And then the big red M on the hood. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Plus the fact that, you know, I still remember the thing that used to jump that used to come up the bottom. Oh, right. And I was watching a show where they were doing work underneath it and they just used that to lift the car up so the guy could do work underneath I'm like, wow, yeah. it's practical too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was your own just car leaps built into the car. Yeah. I was like, Why wow, don't it's more practical. cars have that now? <laughs> it did look ahead of its time, though. It looked like a, you know, it, that show came out in like the late 60s. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that looked like a late 70s sports car like yeah, a, it did. Like like a, a spider or something. or something like that yeah oh yeah it was based off of formula one designs that's where they were kind of uh, going with it and for the formula one ended uh. up using that car for a lot of their designs later on so it was kind of a yin yang they kind of worked off of each other mm-hmm. okay and yeah i mean it's it's an iconic design I mean, you could have it in real life, and I'm sure somebody out there has built a Mach 5. If any of our listeners have any Google images they can find and send to us, I'd love to see them because yeah. somebody out there is driving a Mach 5 today. I'm it sure has, there are. It has to be, right? I would think so. Yeah. There were a couple of series all about vehicles that turned from vehicles to robots, whether you're talking GoBots or Transformers. But maybe <laughs> the one that I love the most is Bumblebee. Yeah. Bumblebee, oh, okay. the Transformer from the 84 yep. cartoon. Yeah. And He's even he's the only Transformer to have his own movie at this point. No, yep. true. Yeah, and, yeah. and not a bad movie either. Surprisingly, no, actually, was pretty yeah. good. Oh, I, I didn't watch it, but okay, it was actually, it was actually, <laughs> it's, it's it was not actually, that terrible. It was not terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> it was not the highest praise ever, but <laughs> I just think of Bumblebee. It's just this yellow and black sports car. It changed over time. It was a Camaro, and it was something else. It was different things, but what kind of car it was didn't matter so much as it was just this. Well, it started out as a VW Bug. Bug, right? That's right. It did start the as a Bug. That's a right. Bug. The yellow VW right. Bug. Yes. That's, that's right why he was Bumblebee and kids loved him because yes, he was a VW exactly. Bug. <laughs> yep. Not long after I first got my sports car, my red sports car, I was visiting someone and I pulled out. There was a kid walking down the street with his mom. And even though my car was red, it was it was shiny and new and kind of nicely shaped. And a little kid tugged on his mom's hand and went, Mom, Bumblebee. And I'm like, kid, you're wrong on so many angles. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm taking it. If you like it as much as you like Bumblebee, I have a nice car. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he actually saw a real bumblebee, and that's what he's pointing at. No. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Look, Sorry. look, flying over that guy's shitty car, a bumblebee. <laughs> oh, no, I'm crushed. You ruined the <laughs> Sorry about that. 
All right, well, John, I got something to lift your spirits in. Let's talk about 1973 in the world of cartoons. There was no okay. more interesting vehicle, and it was a talking vehicle that uh. we all loved as kids, Speed Buggy. Oh, the no. oh my God. little jeepney oh. thing. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> go. Oh, God, Speed Buggy was so cool. He was an insecure mm-hmm. supercar. Like, okay, guys. <laughs> he was just, he was, it was so... What was it? He was like he didn't know he was a supercar. He just thought he was a guy hanging out with the other kids, but he was the car. And the big whip antenna in oh, the yeah. back, you know. It was like a big beach cruiser kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like a, yeah. yeah. And because it was a cartoon, you know, the tires could morph and reform to make a like feet walking yeah. around or hands yep. or I, I love that's something that you get in cartoons only that you can't get in any of the TV shows or movies because you know, you're not going to make a tire squish around to step mm-hmm. over rocks or something like that but Speed yep. Buggy could do it and it was awesome <laughs> you know it's funny we say Speed Buggy we all know about the show we all remember song, watching it you know it only had one season yeah I seem to remember watching it longer <laughs> I don't know why that's like Hong Kong Fooey another he yeah. also had a transforming car like Speed Buggy yeah. kind of was and I would swear that ran for six years. One season of that, right? It was yeah. just reruns. Yeah, we just you. Well, you didn't see it every day. You saw it maybe once a week when you got a chance, and then stretched out. He was like a um, like a chitty chitty bang bang kind of car. Like he could kind of be a boat. He could kind of be a plane. He mm-hmm. could kind of be a car. Whatever he needed to be at the time. Because like you said, George, he was animated mm-hmm. and his character. He wasn't like like a mean supercar. He was like oh, like a cute puppy supercar. Yeah, is exactly. what he was. Well, yeah, because they <laughs> took his face. You know, they like the headlights were the eyes and the grill was yep. the mouth and mm-hmm. they animated all that so he could speak through the grill and it, it yep. just made it really cute and fun and as a kid you just wanted to keep watching more of him and I think to this day can't remember a single one of the human characters names but I remember nope. Speed Buggy no I couldn't tell you there was the guy there was that girl with him the other dude yeah and Speed Buggy <laughs> and, and one of you guys was a mechanic right yeah yes. there was a yep. guy with a jumpsuit <laughs> grease like, yeah, he, he was like, like a shaggy-esque kind of character yeah. and he was kind of the yeah he was the mechanic yeah. And okay. he had the wrench in his pocket all the time. That's how you knew he was a mechanic. It did have Scooby-Doo <laughs> feelings, right? Oh, yeah. like, oh, it did. Oh, like yeah. Like Speed so. Buggy was Scooby and the yeah. rest of them were mimicking the other people in the mystery machine unit but yeah, yeah. speed yeah. buggy was awesome yep. well shit, since you said you invoke the phrase the mystery machine we've got to talk about the mystery <laughs> machine the van from scooby-doo as a cartoon car come on now yeah <laughs> again just like the a-team's van right it's the paint job it is again. pastel blue and green with the little flowery symbols and mystery machine on the side okay if you're gonna name your vehicle mystery machine why advertise it it's supposed to be a mystery <laughs> it's not a mystery right? yeah <laughs> It's not subtle at all. <laughs> and, and these days, if I have a, a kind of a, a pastel van with no windows that says Mystery Machine, do not get into that van. Yes, no. That's not the Children, kind of thing you're, you're looking that. for. That's a stranger danger vehicle. But in the innocence of the world of Scooby-Doo, they would ride up and go, oh, this uh, old abandoned uh, town, and ghost town, or oh, this old mansion that says it's haunted. And yeah, they'd have gotten away with it too if it weren't for the meddling kids, I suppose. <laughs> and their stupid dog. <laughs> I always like the physical design of the vehicle, though. If you remember, it was narrower at the bottom and the top, and it kind of flared out in the middle. So, like, the middle was slightly wider. Kind of bubbled. A little bubbly. Yeah, but, like, on slightly. angles. Like, there were, it wasn't rounded. It came to sharp mm. corners there on that paint line in the middle. And mm. I, I just thought that was an interesting choice. Like, I don't know how the cartoonist decided that it would have that kind of flare out because vans didn't really have that. They were, the sides were pretty straight up and down usually. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, like a panel van. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was just going to pull up a picture. I wasn't sure what you're talking about, but I totally get it now. Right. <laughs> I get what you're yeah, saying. That, yeah, that is interesting. Cool. Why would they that do that? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, in more current cartoons, there's one car that you don't see a ton of, but you see it in the opening credits of this show, and it's a big deal. And that's the pink car that gets wrecked into the garage of the Simpsons house. Their 1986 Plymouth Junkerola. It's <laughs> nicknamed. So it's kind of like the bent antenna or something. The like bent that. antenna. That's the that's the yep. thing is the pink car and the the bit. It's like a zigzag antenna. Not even just bent a little. It's like turned into a zigzag. <laughs> and they drive it around. They go to the you know Marge goes to the grocery store with Maggie and they get the groceries and put them in the car. But her hair is always bent over to fit inside. Right, the car. doesn't fit in the car. Yeah. Right, but it, it definitely featured prominently in plenty of episodes. I don't know how many times that thing has been crashed, but they. Keep driving it. (laughs) Well, I tell you, one of my favorite cars, though, is the Jetsons. I mean, come on. The Aero Car. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know, who doesn't want a car? Where the hell are the flying cars? We should have those by now. (laughs) Exactly. And let me tell you, I mean, also a car that could turn to a briefcase? Come on. (laughs) How great is that? Why would you want that? I still have. We went to Epcot many, many years ago when my youngest son was like maybe six or seven. And we went on Spaceship Earth. And if you guys ever went on Spaceship Earth back then, one of the things that they would do is they would do this video at the end. You would make choices. Do you want to see the future or the past? Oh, right. Yeah. Do you want technology? And you would answer these couple of questions. And then they would make this video with your face like they had taken a picture of your face and superimposed it onto cartoon characters and they were always flying around in the future one in aero cars from the jetsons and yeah. i still have <laughs> those two videos that we sent to ourselves from that ride oh, at epcot nice. and to this day i'm like that was like 15 years ago and i'm just like john oh the Jetsons was what fifty years ago at this point, sixty years ago. I don't know how long 50, ago, but long time we ago. should have flying cars. Yeah, yeah. I don't get this. Yeah. It pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. You talked about how little the runs are of some of these cartoons. You said you know yeah. Speed Buggy was just one season. Jetsons is one of those that I think it ran for like two years at, in the late sixties, mm-hmm. and then they had another season in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Wow, and That's they just gap. jumped all of a sudden. But it's all one big series. But they stopped for a while and then they picked it up again. And it, that's before the era of reboots or anything. But mm-hmm. they kind of did a reboot. They started it up and had all the same voice actors and stuff. And you mentioned the folding it up in a briefcase, Mo. And mm-hmm. it, I like it always bothered me because I'm like, so does it get lighter <laughs> when he does that? Or is it always super light? Because how does he carry it when it gets shrunk down to the size of a briefcase? I don't understand. This, dude. <laughs> well, it's got to be super light because it can fly. So I go yeah. with the light version. I'm going with light. But too. It's got to have a motor of some kind, which weighs something. You wouldn't haul around a car motor. Super light. You're thinking internal combustion. This is the future, man. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is nuclear fission in the size of a pencil. It's very small. Yeah. Right. Is there fusion in it? You know. Right. It's probably just helium. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's just helium. That's why it's so light. <laughs> well, that's why it didn't zoom around. It went <laughs> right. That exactly. noise, which that was that was the sound of the yeah the helium <laughs> engine. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> Perfect. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Gen X Grown Up.
Done TV, done cartoons. Only thing left, movies. Okay, and there's oh. a lot of cars I know from movies. Fertile so we're just, ground in yeah. movies. We're only going to yeah, cover I mean, some of them, but do you know. we need to go into part two like we did with the wrestling podcast at this point? Because <laughs> I think we'll, we'll kind of push this a little bit. We'll muscle through. <laughs> One of the ones though, I have to tell you that when I think of cars growing up, it's going to sound silly, but I think of Herbie Lovebug mm. mostly because I remember oh. seeing it in the theater, <laughs> you know, with like a school trip or something. Because it was like that's not silly, that's awesome. <laughs> and seeing that movie, you know, Buddy Hackett. And it was just a goofy movie, but they made like four of them, didn't they? They make a whole bunch of those things. There was several. It was Herbie there goes was to blah blah blah. I, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised to see like a Bad News Bears drive Herbie movie at some right. point crossovers or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> Herbie was kind of a live action attitude of Speed Buggy in many mm-hmm. ways. I mean, he didn't yeah. talk or anything, but he was very like a puppy. He was oh, oh, saw Herbie. You know, he's so sweet. Number fifty three on the side. You'd have movies where they'd find him in the junkyard and fix him up and they find mm-hmm. out he was kind of alive or whatever and like he'd leak oil and you go oh no Herbie's hurt you're like <laughs> you actually you buy into that character even though it's very subtle things they would make little things move or his hood would pop open or whatever he was so cute. yes so let's go from cute to maxed out crazy with Mad Max's 1973 Ford Falcon Ooh, uh, I love that, that car. was a bad <laughs> car that was oh a my bad God. car <laughs> I love that thing. Yeah, me too. The best thing was the gear shift blower switch. Oh, he would yeah. Pull up with his fingers and the blower would just come on. That sound, that jet engine sound it would yep. make. Yeah. Oh, yep. Love that. And the dog, even in the car, would go, Woo, we're about <laughs> to go fast. <laughs> I think my favorite stunt that they did in there when he, very at the beginning of the movie, The Road Warrior, when he, like, instead of braking, he puts the car in reverse and the car's like mm-hmm. slowing yep. down because the wheels are going backwards. I was like, mm-hmm. one, you ruined the car, but, <laughs> Brian, that was cool. You're going to need a new transmission, Max. Yeah. <laughs> but that was damn cool because that's something. Neil. I like to wish I could try that one. Well, day. and it's important to point out too, it wasn't Mad Max's car originally, right? So from the first film, it's that evil guy, the Knight Rider. It's his car that they're chasing down. Right. They got, and it gets yeah. destroyed, and then they rebuild it and give it to Max to keep him on the police force in the first movie. Right. Which, of course, doesn't work out. But No. <laughs> yeah, because they convert it to like a police car for him, just for him. It definitely takes a yep. life of its own off in the second movie, Road Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we went from cute to dangerous to how about scary? Christine. Oh, just pure oh. evil. Pure evil. <laughs> or evil, yeah. Went from good to badass to just bad just really <laughs> evil like pure evil yeah man Stephen King yeah. is the only author I know who can make me scared to death of a damn car yeah and there were only two of those types of movies back then there was Christine which was by far mm-hmm. the better and then there was another okay. one called The Car which was like a black hearse like vehicle that also had a mind of its own kind of a thing oh, it yeah. was an awful terrible movie Christine yeah. Yeah. awesome yeah and yeah. one of the coolest things about Christine which I thought was like how the car radio would play like relative songs like songs that like kind of yeah. mean something like it was what the car was trying to communicate to the kid who was 
the owner of the vehicle, oh, right? Gotcha. Right. Yeah. It was, and, the little, and it was the spinning dial, right? It was the, the thing on the, the needle yeah. moving back and forth across the, the tuner. back and forth, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's moving itself. Creepy. And even yeah. worse, it's playing, <laughs> you're going to be dead soon. Yeah. Right? Whatever right. song would play. <laughs> and it only played 50 songs, too, which was right. like- Appropriately enough. You the girlfriend, yeah. like she says that. Why is that crazy radio only play things from the 50s? Yeah. Well, it was a yeah. 58 Plymouth Fury, so yeah. that makes yeah. Yeah. sense. Yeah. Time appropriate. Kind of makes sense, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a- it's a living vehicle. It doesn't really make sense, but right. But yeah, I'll go with it. Yeah, In the I, world of Christine, it made perfect sense. And I went with it too. So you know, we, we said time appropriate. I think this is the point we should talk about a vehicle that it doesn't have a specific time that's perfect for it because sometimes it's in the eighties and sometimes it's in the fifties and sometimes it's in the teens. What about that Back to the Future DeLorean, the oh. time travel car? Oh my God. I I don't know if there are too many other vehicles that are more iconic from mm. Gen X movies than the DeLorean. If you're going to talk about Gen X movies, I know there are other vehicles that we're still going to talk about on this list. I think this is top of the list, though. I know we're a big, doing it in the middle. It's a but huge one. I, I don't know that there's a bigger vehicle. Probably not, but I think for different reasons, too, because one, a DeLorean before Back to the Future was such an 80s car. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Then when Back to the Future hit, then it suddenly became just iconic at that point. Yeah. Well, it's got, it's it's the all stainless steel. It's mm-hmm. the gold wing doors. It's the angular sides. And and it, was, it wasn't just, hey, it's a cool car. Like Doc Brown picked it because of its insulation properties and because yeah. of the stainless steel body and frame. And it made sense. And it likes some of the others we talked about. This one really is a character in the film, not because it's a smart car. It's just a piece of engineering. But without that car, without it being the chassis for the time machine and a cool one to boot, you would not have had that connective fiber that runs through all the films. It's the thing that they hide behind the billboard and it crashes into things. They put the, the white walls on it in the uh-huh. Old West and stuff and <laughs> oh, they yeah. mod it out. It's just so many different cool ways to, that it, 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 it was uh, it was envisioned. Yeah, I mean, the best line is, you know, he's when he says, you know, you built a time machine of a DeLorean. He's like, right. you're going to build a time machine out of a car. You might as well do it with style. Do yeah. style. Yeah. yeah, and he did. No kidding. And no matter how they modified the car in the different films, right? Whether it had the Mr. Fusion on the back mm-hmm. later on. Yes, right. On the top. They had to reconstruct <laughs> the time circuits with a big wooden thing on on the front in the Old West. No, right. They had to push it with a train. <laughs> it was still the DeLorean. And it's always the Back to the Future DeLorean. Even to this day, car enthusiasts who love DeLoreans and have gotten original vehicles and rebuilt them and made them roadworthy. Whatnot, it, every time you see it, I don't care who you are. You go back to the future. Right. You don't think right. of DeLorean, even though, you know, it had oh, a yeah. lot of weird stuff going on with it. The guy got in all oh, kinds yeah. of trouble and the company Bought went belly yeah, up. That's, that's the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But you don't think of any of that stuff. It's back to the future's DeLorean. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's the opposite of what we said about Starsky and Hutch and the A-Team, where, oh, it's just an average car without the paint job. It's nothing. You could take just a stock DeLorean that has no back to the future tropes <laughs> or <laughs> fixtures on it. You just see the car and go back to the future, back to the yeah. future, all, automatically. Back to the Future has taken over anything about that car. It's the only thing that it represents, and you don't have to do anything special to it. It doesn't even need a Mr. Fusion on the back. It yeah, doesn't. Cool. And also, how many cars can you turn into a flying car and it still looks just as cool? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, it looks like up the it wheels, fly. Right. Yeah, it looks like it should fly. Yep. Speaking of the wheels folding up on the DeLorean to fly, that mm. reminds me of the AMC Hornet in The Man with the Golden Gun, the oh, submarine car. Bond, the white the submarine car. Oh, yes. The submarine car. One of my favorite Bond yeah. movies. Now, there are tons of good Bond cars, don't get me wrong, but that one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Aston Martin was probably one of the more iconic brands from the Bond oh, series. Beautiful but cars, sure. The oh, yeah. AMC Hornet 
to this day is the one that I remember the most fondly because it was the one car that all the cars had gadgets. They all had guns. They all had ejector seats. Yeah, yeah. They had oil slicks that dropped spikes yeah. out of the back of them, all that kind of stuff. But this is one of the few that actually reconfigured itself into an alternate purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the other yep. vehicles he had, he had separate vehicles to do the purposes. Like in uh, You Only Live Twice, the miniature helicopter thing that he would fly around to destroy the bigger helicopter. Oh, but that was like, yeah. But that wasn't a car that transformed into that. It was just that vehicle. This is the only vehicle in the Bond lineage that I know of that transforms into another yeah, type of vehicle. I think so. I mean, the rest of them were just filled with gadgets, right? This one right. was the gadget. The car itself was the gadget. It was a gadget. It was a gadget. Yeah. And plus, I remember that scene in the movie because uh, back then, I guess because you didn't have the internet and all that stuff. So you really didn't know what to expect. And, you know, you see this movie, you see it like driving to the water. All of a sudden, it's like it converts to a sub. You know, and mm-hmm. he's like all go, super Holy calm. Holy crap. Yep. He's super <laughs> cool and calm as James Bond is. You know, the woman's freaking out and he's like, oh, no, I got this under control. Yeah. And, you, mm-hmm. and because of that movie, you've seen that same type of vehicle happen in other spy films like The Kingsman, Golden Circle, mm-hmm. when he's mm-hmm. got the little cab that he's driving around in that's their vehicle and he's trying to get away from the bad guy. They end up going down into the lake and the car yep. turns into a submarine car. And I'm like, James right. Bond, yep. there, there you go. go. <laughs> rip they off. did it best. They did it first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had just posited that the Back to the Future DeLorean, George, was maybe the most 80s and iconic car and uh, you're probably right but maybe a close second is an old cadillac miller meteor a 20 foot long car (laughs) sometimes it was a hearse sometimes it would ambulance but in mid 80s it was the ecto-1 i mean you guys saw afterlife right the latest ghostbuster of course oh yeah yeah Yeah. when he pulls that tarp and you see like the ghostbuster symbol on it just the corner of it yeah Yeah. i tell you i got a little heart tug on that i was like oh (laughs) that was that car was awesome there she is you know especially like that the the weird siren sound it had yeah <laughs> like a screaming cat kind of siren john's our official sound effects guy <laughs> yeah i got you covered yeah and it's odd because the vehicle the reason why it takes on such a personality in the movie is not because it does weird extra things like now it did in afterlife you know had the door mm-hmm. that popped out yeah, and everything the but Gunner's in the original again, movies it really was just a vehicle for them to go from one place to another yeah, yeah. with a siren on top but the reason why it meant so much to the movie and the storyline was because they had to fix it up from nothing right it was a broken down heat <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that they they got for like right. 50 bucks somewhere or something no, like actually, that you overpaid for it right <laughs> and, <laughs> and ray had to repair it and it's going to need new yeah. valves and new gaskets and new blah 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 and he was working on it inside the fire station all the time to me that's what made the car such an integral part of the story mm-hmm. it was ray's enthusiasm for the car it's like he mm-hmm. when he saw it it was perfect he loved it he liked the car it didn't matter how much work he's like yeah it needs valves and plugs and things and pistons and all these and he's like <laughs> Bill Murray's with him like, oh my God. It's great. <laughs> right. It's his enthusiasm. Well, frankly, his enthusiasm drove the Ghostbusters, but also right. his enthusiasm for the car. It's almost like, well, that's his teddy bear. You can't take it away from him. That's mm-hmm. he picked it. That's the one he's going to go with. And it has that character because it's so like the Ghostbusters themselves. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. It's not traditional. It's out of the ordinary. Not subtle. <laughs> and the car itself was like that. It was like, oh my God, this thing, you said the nasty siren and the mm-hmm. obnoxious lights and all the crap hanging off of it. And it's such an old, unwieldy car. That, like it said, it's so damn long. It embodied the spirit of the Ghostbusters themselves mm-hmm. who were kind of offbeat and off kilter a little bit, which is yep. great. You know, a vehicle that is the complete and total opposite of the broken down 
Ecto One. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm curious where this is going. <laughs> I'll just say Porsche, except no substitutes. Oh, I know da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Risky business. I mean, I'm not saying that this car made a huge impact in the movie, but it was an important part of several scenes. The yeah. chase by the pimp Guido, the falling into the, the lake. Oh, yeah, it did absolutely. drive the plot in a lot of the scenes, mm-hmm. but it was a beautiful car. And <sighs> I always imagined when I was in high school, when that movie came out, Oh my God, I wish my parents had a Porsche that I could take out when they were gone on a trip. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> <God. laughs> that would have been the end of the Porsche. <laughs> oh, it was so awesome. Great little car, but you know, it, it's not as awesome of a car for a family as our next vehicle up on the list. And that's the <laughs> National Lampoon Vacation <laughs> Wagon Queen Family Truckster. Family Truckster. <laughs> <laughs> this is the car you want to take across country, folks. Yep. <laughs> we talked about that in the backtrack not too long. We were talking about the, the road trip movies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the National Lampoon Vacation came up and... As many times as I'd seen it, I'd not focused as much on the car as I did that time around rewatching it. Just the the scene at the lot where he's like, can I get my old car back? It's already in the crusher. Right. It's already gone. Yeah. <laughs> like what car lot has a crusher? Right. Right in the back. They crushed it. And it turned out to be a good car for them because it was tough as nails, but it's so obnoxious, which makes it so perfect for that. <laughs> The wood side paneling. Yes. Yeah. And it was too much wood side paneling. Like there was more wood than paint almost. (laughs) And like in a grid work, it looked like a log cabin on the side. (laughs) I mean, I totally sympathize because that was that was my family trips was in my dad's huge ass (laughs) Buick estate. Dark blue station wagon with wood paneling. Oh, man. But that was honestly, it, I mean, that thing was a tank. I mean, it had a huge V8 engine in it. <laughs> you know, probably got like three miles to the gallon, but who cared? I mean, seriously, it was like, but it was mm-hmm. what we took like, every summer growing up. That's the car we drove for hours and hours and hours going places. Yep. And it's iconic yep. for the time, too, because it's all bucket seats, you know, mm-hmm. the or bench seats, rather, bench the, seats, yeah. all the way across. Yep. And, you slide back and forth on yeah. it, right? Yeah. I mean, this one, their vehicle was a 79 Ford LTD Country Squire. I okay. know nothing about that car, but you show me the that car and I'm going to pick it out as the one yep. from National Lampoon Vacation every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, th- there's one that comes to mind. We, we talk about these movie cars that, it, like we said with the Risky Business car, drove the plot of the film. Yeah. Let's just say, what do you think of when I say we're going to put a car up on blocks to try to reverse the odometer? Uh, <laughs> <Mueller>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was Cameron's dad's car, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, fine. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Fine. I'll go. Right. It's like he talks. He like beats him down to let's borrow your dad's car on this day off the sick day that we have. And he's no, no, no. And finally they do. And everything's going great until the end. But, well, right. but th- that's the thing. It, it drives the plot, but only in two specific points of the movie, the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, when they yep. need the vehicle right. to successfully pull off the ruse that Ferris Bueller <laughs> is Sloan's father coming to pick mm-hmm. her up from school uh, right to, to pick sloan up right. from school right? and then at the end when they've discovered that the garage attendants have taken this car on this right. crazy <laughs> ass joy ride, ride yep. Yep. and driven in added all these odometer miles because that's what cameron <laughs> was the most worried about the whole time he knows the odometer mileage yeah yeah he, he, he loves his it. car more than he loves me you know please it with a diaper <laughs> do you know that that car it was a 61 ferrari 250 gt do you know how much that's worth today like one of those cars in real life oh 
got to be millions. No, tell us. 17 million. Whoa. Ooh. Man, I would not have gone that high. It was California. They only made, it was a limited edition car. They only made so many of them. Oh, so well, it's, yeah. it's like one of the most highly sought after collector cars out there. Thanks to Ferris Bueller, there's one fewer because it went out that plate glass window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some fan somewhere, some super fan with a lot of money has found that junker and rebuilt and restored it. it. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. yeah. They've restored well, it. Yeah. I'm hoping that they didn't destroy an actual <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> I'm assuming they didn't. They have that much of a budget. You know, you want to talk about a movie that destroyed a crap ton of vehicles, though? I want to talk about John's favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie, but I know it's John's favorite movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, too. Okay. <laughs> the Blues Brothers Blues Mobile. Oh, oh. Right. It's got cop, cop, cop tires, cop tires, cop, cop shocks. <laughs> <laughs> that car was junked out. No catalytic verter, so it runs good on regular gas. <laughs> <laughs> right, he he traded a microphone for it, as I recall. No, no, he got a microphone for it. He traded the caddy in for it. The old caddy, that's right, for a yeah. microphone. That's right, he traded that for a microphone. And a microphone. Yeah, why don't we have, where, what happened to yeah. the caddy? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. It was just an old 74 Dodge Monaco, which was typically used as a right. patrol car. That's what this was. It was in the movie. It was a converted. I get out of the jail and you pick me up in a cop car. That's why he's he's taunting it. But for all the cars you said, George, they get destroyed in this film. The Bluesmobile doesn't. We drop a car from the sky in the airspace <laughs> over Chicago. We smash up all those cars underneath the L yeah. in Chicago. But the Bluesmobile survives until the very end when it bursts into a million pieces in front of City Hall because it finally gives up. It, it survives, but it takes oh, yeah. a hell of a beating throughout the oh, movie. God, yes. He's driving through plate glass windows in malls and you know oh look at all the stuff they have everything here and it does a flying backflip and lands on its tires and keeps going yes right yeah that totally happened yeah (laughs) no i mean and the thing was with the car was the uh to me the important part is like you said that scene at the end that you brought up john where it just falls apart yeah just kind of leads in a whole thing like maybe they were on a mission from god i mean because you know (laughs) it was being held together right it was being held together by just a prayer right at the very end we did a whole backtrack about the blues Brothers, where we talked a lot about the Blues Mobile. If you haven't heard that one, you ought to look in our back catalog for it. But it is very indicative of what we're talking about how this car becomes symbolic of the film and you pull it out of the context of the, of the film or the CD series and mm-hmm. it's still, oh, that's the Blues Mobile, just like the Ecto or the DeLorean. Yep. Yeah, so much so. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of Seven Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com patreon. I know that we've talked about TV cars and mm-hmm. cartoon cars and certainly oh, yeah. movie cars because mm-hmm. there was tons of them. But the one thing we haven't really touched on yet, and I think it's important because it might shed a little bit of light on our own personalities <laughs> to our Uh-oh. listeners, 
is our personal favorite <laughs> uh, vehicles from any mm. medium of any era. And the reason why I say any era is because our love for these vehicles was born in our Gen X youth, but it it's transcended to where there are certain vehicles I'm sure that each one of us have that are the favorite vehicle of ours from any TV show, any movie. I don't care mm-hmm. what it is. So, Mo, let's start off with you. If you had to pick wow. one car... That's your favorite car from a medium format. What would it be? Oh, okay. Actually, I've thought about this, but the same one keeps popping in my head. The reason why I'm picking this car first, let me explain this, is because this fulfilled a failed promise that we were given as children that we've talked about already on the show, which was flying cars. And so my my car is the Blade Runner Spinner, which is Ah. a sedan that Harrison Ford drove that can turn to a flying car. Number one, it just looked damn cool. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. looked like I imagined a future car would look like. It's kind of still a car, but not really, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the guy who designed it actually was, his name was Sid Mead. He actually designed the Tron motorcycles. Like he came up design for that. And the, um, in Aliens, the big AT, no, the military vehicle thing that they- Oh, right. Like tanky kind of truck. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so this guy, you know, his pedigree is awesome, but that car, for some reason, it was just a gorgeous looking car. It still looked like a car to me. Plus it freaking flew, which is, we're supposed to had that like five years ago which we don't have and i'm upset about that it's a beautiful vehicle you're right especially that scene where it's landing on the police headquarters Mm -hmm. tower when it's kind of slowly rotating as it goes down yeah they even use that exact same camera shot in the uh, blade runner point and click adventure video game from like the 90s way back when yeah yeah Yeah. oh right love that car you're that's a great nice Yeah. All right. So Mo picked the Blade Runner car. I know what I've got on tap, and I don't think either one of you two are going to guess it. But I am kind of curious to know, John, you have a special Hmm. upbringing with vehicles. Your father was a truck driver. Yeah. I know you guys have a lot of vehicle stuff in your background, but I'm just really curious. What would be your most iconic vehicle from any media of any era? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, at first I wasn't sure what I was going to pick. And then I thought about it a little bit and the pick was pretty obvious. My dad, he, the things he loved, he was passionate about. Some of those things were, you know, he loved watching wrestling on TV we talked about. <laughs> he liked watching MASH. He was a truck driver, so he liked truck driving movies and westerns. Uh, he loved like Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds, right? So the actors okay. he really liked. Okay. Sometimes a confluence of things would come together. You'd get a truck driving movie with Clint Eastwood, like Any Which Way But Loose or something, right? He loved oh, that. Okay. <laughs> but there was one film where uh, so many of his interests came together that he loved. It had Jerry Reed, country music singer. It had oh, Burt Lord. Reynolds. Uh-oh. It was a truck driving movie. <laughs> yeah. And- Eastbound and down. <laughs> the Smokey and the Bandit, Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, the oh, T-top yeah. with the big yep. eagle on the front. Oh, yeah. And for my own personal reasons, it's less about the car and more about how much my dad loved that movie and the car Mm. and everything about it. And he was a pretty stoic guy. And that movie made him giggle. You know, it was like, (laughs) you know, it just it it made him just like I never saw him. It was very interesting. So I lost my dad when I was 21, which is really early to lose, you know, to lose Mm. a parent like that. You know, thinking about it now, I don't think I've rewatched that film since he passed. Oh, wow. Because there's too much attached to it. Sure. Right. Um, he, he, there's so much about it that is dad, you know what I mean? And it's, right. uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting weird here. Sorry. No, no, I get it though. I totally yeah, it's get just, it. He, 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 seeing him be so passionate about that film and that car. And uh, one of my first cars he got me was a, not that color, but a white firebird that had the blue, you know, e- eagle on the roof. I remember nice. the white firebird. Yes. <laughs> I remember seeing pictures. Yeah. I got it because I knew my dad liked Smokey and the Bandit. Yep. Right? That was oh. like a 1980 firebird that I got. And yeah, it's just the connection with my dad and how much he enjoyed that 
film and, and the series we'd saw you know number two and number three in right. the theaters and you couldn't get him to a movie but if it was smoking the bandit he was there. we're going on opening night we're going to see it so, <laughs> so you, i mean yeah yeah john i mean that's awesome i mean i totally get i mean the yeah the memories all that stuff but if you're gonna pick a car though if you want to pick a 70s iconic car i mean you it's a badass much, car you can't go much wrong with picking that firebird trans am i mean that was mm-hmm. i remember everybody just they were, they were everywhere i don't remember a single young boy that i was friends with that didn't want that yeah. car <laughs> you yeah. want the bandit and yep. we were like seven or eight when that damn movie came out or something like that yep. we wanted that car to this day i i'm 50 now so i'm at midlife crisis <laughs> i'd consider buying a pontiac firebird if i could get a white <laughs> one right only if you can get the big eagle decal on the roof you, you, you gotta have that if you yeah. don't have that it's not a pontiac firebird i don't care it's not a bandit car yeah. Not a bandit. <laughs> yeah. I still remember that scene though when he's uh get like the guy's giving him money to buy a car. He says, I need a fast car, more money. Faster than that. And he goes like faster more than right. that. faster. <laughs> That'll about do it. Okay. All right. George, I want to get to yours. So you said we wouldn't guess it. So oh, man. many of the ones I would have guessed we've already talked about. Yeah. I would have thought like a Batmobile. I would have thought like an Ecto one. So I I don't know what we've missed. Even the A team I could see. Yeah. Well, and let's preface this by saying it could be something from the list. I'm not going to say it's not something from the list. It could be my favorite, but I'll let each one of you take a stab at it. John, you go first. Oh, man. I, I... Again, I would I would guess Ecto one for you. We've talked about how cool it is and how much you might like it and how you get the car, you know, the toy car. That, that that's kind of my guess. It's pretty cool, but no, nope, not my personal really? favorite. Okay, my guess would be the Starchy and Hutch car. Uh, another good car, great Hot Wheels Matchbox car. Because you seem like you, you have a lot of attachments, you know, to show. You seem like you remembered it. You really talked a lot about how much you love that car. So that would be my guess. Not it. Not it. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm going with the 1977 British Leland Mini 1000. What? From Mr. Bean, ladies oh and gentlemen. That is the Wait. absolutely <laughs> best car I've ever seen in any media format. You're talking about that ultra, ultra, ultra tiny, little tiny car he drove? <laughs> the green with the black hood. Yeah. And he would open up the front. Yes. Well, independent. So he had several versions throughout the Mr. Bean series. There was one that he would open the front up. The other ones he had regular doors. But the door on the side, instead of having your regular key that goes in a door lock, he had a little latch lock, like slides across the panel of a fence or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But that car was so awesome. And it fit (laughs) him and the show's personality perfectly. Mm. There's no car that I've ever seen that fits into the motif of a show or a character better than that Leland Mini 1000 that he drove. it's like you're saying, like, it's the car version of Mr. Bean almost. It was. The, the quirky, it a little broken, was. awkward. Okay. I, and, but right. it still kept going. Like, Mr. Bean, no matter how much trouble he got in, he always found a way through. And that's the same thing with the car. No matter what was going on with that vehicle, like, if he was trying to get somewhere in a hurry, when they were in the vehicles, he was always in the battle with the other three-wheeled blue car of death. And <laughs> he would run it off the road to get to where he was going. Or if it was in a parking space, he would just bump it out of the way and take the parking space. <laughs> I love to this day that car. There's this one iconic scene from the Mr. Bean series where he's actually, he's gone to a hardware store because he needs to get a bunch of stuff for his apartment, right? And he just loads his car up with paint cans and mops and paintbrushes and even a big (laughs) chair. And he's like, oh, 
I don't have anywhere to sit inside the vehicle. So then he starts fashioning these things out of the stuff he's bought in order for him to sit in the recliner on the top of the car <laughs> so that he can drive down the street. And they made a functioning car and they shot scenes of him driving down the road on top of that car. Oh They've God. even redone it later on. There was a there was some big show in London and he brought that car to the show. It was oh, really? oh, love that show. Love that car. Not at all what I was thinking. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, you could have given me 20 more guesses, and I still I would, would not have landed have. on the Mr. Yeah. Bean car. But, but I get it now. I yeah. get it. <laughs> That's great. Oh, those are some good picks. Oh, so many cars we could have picked from. So many we covered. Uh, hey, if we missed some, fourth listener, you got to write in and let us know if we missed your favorite car or one of the cars we glossed over that maybe is more important than we gave it credit. Uh, let us know. Hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. For now, though, that's going to wrap it up for this backtrack. We'll be back in two weeks with another one, but next week is the regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it is you, though, we all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown-Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Memorable cars from the Gen X. We're running down some of the most memorable cars from the... From the stop putting the V in there, John. Why? Leave Not it in from if the you're Gen X era. It's weird. Sounds weird to me. Okay, three, two. It in sounds weird to you, but you're automatically <laughs> doing it. So. It's instantly yeah. in my head to say that. Is there a the in there? Watch me put it in there, and it sounds wrong. Okay, three, two. And you want to stick around to the end because we're going to run through some of our favorites, but we're saving our absolute favorites. We've each picked a favorite car from that era that we're going to talk about <laughs> in that final segment. What's what's funny? How what? many times are you going to say the word favorite in one <laughs> Apparently too many. Was it a lot? I'll do it again. No, <laughs> it is. Fine. We're going to talk about our favorites, but if you stick around, we're going to talk about our personal favorite, and then personal we're going to talk about our favorite our again. favorite favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Talking's not easy. <laughs> well, maybe that we'll keep that. We'll try. I'll try it one more time. Okay. <laughs> if nothing, this is an awesome blooper. Oh. That's it's it got to be worth something. Hey, it's Spanish and it's Verlaine and we are Game Fix. Hey, where are you going to get the latest video game news and reviews? A- anywhere on the internet. No, no, no. Where, where are you going to get unfiltered opinions, brutal truths? and pretty much things nobody has the balls to say. Ah, then my friend, you're talking about us, the Game Fix Podcast. Damn right I am. If you want to join us for our takes on gaming news, honest gaming reviews, and celebrity interviews. Oh, we're doing this rhyming thing? Well then get on your shoes, we'll eliminate your blues. Hey, you might end up with some really heavy clues. No, no, find our podcast on iTunes or our website at GameFixShow.com. Hey, maybe video games aren't your thing. I was a loser once too. We talk movies, comics, toys. To convince you that everything that we just said is true, here's Duke Nukem. Cheers, love. The Calvary's here. No, 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 no. The other line, man. Take it from me, Duke Nukem. Either listen to the Game Fix podcast or go f*** yourself. I don't really care. Whoa! Whoa.